Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Imagine the lives of all those people in the street in which you live. What would you discover? Now, Lynette Washington takes on this challenge in a collection called Plain Tree Drive. So, Lynette, welcome back to 3CR. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, this compendium, and I had to find a word for it, defies convention. It's not a novel. And even though some of these pieces have appeared as short stories, it's not a short story collection. So how would you describe it? Well, if you want to get technical, it's called a short story cycle. So that's what academics and um, people in that field like to think of this as. And what that basically means is a group of short stories that are connected in some way and that by being connected, they form a greater meaning. So this is a short story cycle in its entirety, but it also has mini short story cycles within it as well, where there are several stories in a row about a certain character. Uh, yeah, so that's that's what it is, and it, it became that kind of by accident, actually. It wasn't my intention to do that. I started out writing short stories and looked at this bunch of stories with this huge cast of characters, 60-odd stories, and thought this is not a whole. This isn't a. Th- it can't. You can't make this into a collection and have it mean anything much. It's just jumble. So I went through a really long process of figuring out how to make it work, and I experimented with lots of different things, and I eventually came to this idea that they all these characters, these incredibly diverse characters, can live on this one street, um, and then it all really came together and I tweaked the stories and I changed some things and all these connections actually appeared really easily and naturally and it was almost as if I knew that I was going to do that in the first place, which is probably something about my subconscious mind and the things that I'm obsessed with. Um, But it just seemed to come together really beautifully in the end. From a conventional point of view, I'd be looking for character development or the narrative plot line development, but it's not really those. It's not even necessarily the interaction between the range of characters. It's the observations of life in many ways. Yeah, and I guess that's where a lot of my stories come from is little observations about things that people I know do and other people I don't know as well. (laughs) We'll we'll get on to some of those little observations in a minute. But there was another question, an odd sort of question, because I first received a copy of this in digital format, but I found it easier to read the hard copy. And it's not that I haven't read digital books before, but managing all of those characters and the like seemed to be easier when I had something hard concrete Mm. in my hand. I don't know if you can explain that to me. Uh, I can probably attempt to touch on why that might be the case. This actually, this collection came out of my PhD at Adelaide University. Uh, It was a creative component of my PhD. And along with that, I wrote an exegesis, which was about the ideas of digital publishing. At the time that I started, which was quite some time ago, um, there was an explosion of e-books and online fiction and all sorts of digital publishing. And I was really 
really fascinated by that. So I actually did a little bit of research into the way we read online. And one of the things that we do when we read online is that we scan. So if you're scanning in a book like this, I think it's incredibly difficult. Um, the other thing about having a physical book in your hands is you can orientate yourself within the book and within the story. You can flick to that cast of characters at the front and remind yourself, oh, that's who that person is and that's who they're related to. It's harder to do that on a screen. So there, there's all sorts of theory about all this sort of stuff. But was, Yes, that orientation, yeah. I think, was, is so important when you're dealing with something so diverse yes. as this. But we talked about, or you raised that notion of observations. Here's just a lovely little curious one. Last week, a woman came in to buy a dress and complain about her son's teacher. Or maybe she came in to complain about her son's teacher and buy a dress. Either way, she did one and not the other. You found yourself agreeing that teachers are lazy for having days off to write reports. Why should they be given a day off to do their jobs? If I asked for a day off to do my job, I'd be laughed at. But this whole notion of people's motivations and such <laughs> like, uh, just a, a curiosity, really. Mm. And, and the reason why you buy a dress. Yeah, well, why do we go into a dress shop and talk about, you know, our, those things? But people do this sort of stuff all the time. People are strange. And I love the strangeness of the people, you know, that do this kind of stuff. And, you know, I whenever I hear that, read I cringe a little bit because I love teachers and I'm a teacher myself and I don't ever want people to think that I'm criticizing teachers but I do know that people do think that about teachers and I think it's appalling actually. It's not so much that about the teachers it's people's motivations behind things that you need an excuse yeah. to vent yeah, uh, and things like that which is is curious. Um, of course I have to uh, read the one about uh, community radio. You're on 89.9 Community Radio. It's 3.13 a.m. on the knocker. Hear the nails, I say as I watch Andy being engulfed in the ancient spores of the couch. No one's listening, Jimmy. You don't have to sound like such a wad. And no one says the nails. No one's listening. No one. I beg to differ, my friend. Last week we put a call out and the phones lit up. Two callers. And this is 3CR Community Radio, and you're listening to Published or Not. What are you saying about community radio there, I adore community radio, and Good. I've worked in community radio myself, and I have sat on those couches with the ancient spores that puff up around you when you sit down on them. Um, and that that uh, character is a character who I adore as well, and I put him in this position of being... He has a mental illness, and he's... Um, he does this job um, and he, within this job he's kind of protected in this beautiful little community of people who look out for him. And isn't that what community radio is all about? So, yeah, that's a love song to community radio. <laughs> but there are things you can identify with. So because we're yeah. community radio, all of a sudden you read something like that. Yeah. And, ah, there's a connection. So the reader in many instances would be identifying with some things and not others as you go through this collection, this compendium, uh, yeah. and such like. Yeah. And I hope that uh, I hope that everyone can find something in it that rings true for them personally. But I also hope that um, it maybe shines a light on other people's lives that they haven't thought about before. And who's living next door or down the street, yes. for that matter? <laughs> but you also experiment with style. 
There's a housing needs assessment uh, on one instance. There's a flow chart uh, in another story. You've even got a Venn diagram to sort of (laughs) identify the nature of relationships. So purposefully experimenting Absolutely, yes. So Ryan O'Neill is an absolute hero of mine and he wrote a just astonishing book called The Weight of a Human Heart and and he's recently just won the Prime Minister's Award for his book, Their Brilliant Careers, but prior to that he wrote this other astonishing book Um, and in that he has lots of formal experimentation with style one of the stories, the story that I first heard that um, just hit me and cracked me open was a story about a, um, a a person who's teaching English as a second language and the whole story is written through the assignments that are submitted to the English teacher and they start out with basic English skills and the English skills get better but also you start to learn about that person's life and what's actually happening to them. And it's just an incredibly skillful, beautiful, heartfelt story. And that book is full of those kinds of experiments. And I just knew that I had to give it a go. I had to try try and emulate that somehow. It speaks to the multiplicity of ways we can communicate Mm, in any ways. There are other interesting things. One I particularly liked is two people meeting... Uh, Farage and Ruby, and I'll just read out this section because uh, Farage and Ruby meet getting off a tram. Um, It's going to be a cold one. I turn and see the woman from the tram looking at her phone. Her voice is big, high like a whistle, but strong like a wall. I nod. She looks up at me and puts her phone in her bag. You sleeping rough? I don't know how to answer that. The backpack? The hair? You you look like you need a shower, mate. Armand, kick me out, I say. Who's this Armand? What did you do to him? I can't answer that either. How do you explain years of ancient history that is not even your story? I won't bite, lad. You're shaking like a leaf. What's your name? Farage, I say. I'm Ruby, she says. She holds out a hand to me. I can't take it, but I try to smile. Ruby is still looking at me like I'm a puzzle, but then she looks away and out to sea. Love this place. Always come here on my way home from work. Just a few minutes looking out there is all I need. I look where she is looking. The water goes on forever and the sun is getting low. I shiver, thinking about another night outside. Where's your mob? asks Ruby. What is a mob? I ask. A family, a history, your people, everyone has a mob. I shake my head. Ruby is wrong. My mob are all dead. Ruby starts talking again, slowly, as though she's told this story a thousand times. Just because you can't see it or it isn't in the books doesn't mean it's not real. My mob, my history, isn't in the books, lad. There's no white fella history that tells my story. My story is here, she points to her heart, and there, she points to the water. We know our stories. We tell them to each other so that we remember. Always remember, lad. But to remember is to hurt, and I want to forget. The meeting of two cultures, in some ways. That's how I was reading that. Absolutely, yeah. So that story came from, I was actually up late watching Q&A one night and there was an Aboriginal leader who was talking about um, asylum seekers in Australia and his level of understanding and compassion gave me chills and there was a panel full of white fellas and politicians saying, oh no, stop the boats, stop the boats and he said, this is my land, these people are welcome and we should look after them and protect them. 
And I just saw incredible compassion and insight in him. And I wanted to show that in my small little way in this book, because this book is about home and belonging and loneliness and place in many ways. And I think we have an enormous amount to learn from Aboriginal people about those things, about home and place. There's also the fact, well, I was reading into that line, he couldn't take her hand. Mm. Now, is that that's a cultural reference in terms of what is expected in uh, no, that uh, um No, that was more along the lines of how fragile and broken he is right. and how he, he was, he's so um, unable to have any kind of human connection or any kind of human contact at all. Yeah. Because there would be some challenges also in in the cross culture and mm. misunderstanding mm. what everyone else is saying. Yes, and the indigenous community have in fact quite an extensive history. One of the first demonstrations against the Holocaust in Australia was by an Aboriginal leader oh, who led a right? yes, led a visit to or um took something to Parliament. Wow. Because they understand dispossession. They do, don't they? Yes. Absolutely. Finally, um, your bio, getting to the end of all this, when she's not writing, she teaches police cadets the importance of sentence structure and grammar. I love that <laughs> little bit right at the very end. Your sort of story and amongst all of these other stories. <laughs> How do you go doing that? Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah, it has its challenges. So I, I work at the police academy in, in Adelaide and um, we teach cadet because it's very important for police officers to have appropriate language skills. They write statements and affidavits and reports and notebooks and, you know, the whole bit. Um, and those documents often end up in courts. So it's essential that their skills are up to scratch so that's one of the things that I do. I help them. A lot of these people who come through the academy um, may have been a tradie for 20 years and they haven't had to write a word other than maybe an invoice for 20 years. And that's Or, this is controversial, they've just finished high school and they can't write a sentence. <laughs> that happens sometimes too. It happens a lot. So these mm. are people with enormous capabilities, um, but they need to, a little bit of a... But the narrative and understanding people's stories and being mm. able to communicate it, I think, mm. sort of fits in and ties in with mm. what you're doing here in this novel. So the uh, work, because I'm, I'm still looking for a word, novel, short story collection, work compendium, I've used them all, <laughs> is called Plain Tree Drive, the author Lynette Washington, and it's from Midnight Sun Publishing. So, Lynette, thank you very much. Thank you.